You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. I don't know if you've heard of this decade called the 80s, but they released a lot of uh, movies in a genre we called horror. Today's film is a horror movie set in the 80s. And it's about two best friends. And one of them gets possessed. How about that? Oh, no. Are they best friends? I I would say they're best friends. The like, best of friends. Yes. Oh Lilas. Like sisters, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Best friends and and to to help the other friend get rid of the demon, she's gonna have to exercise it from the body, from her friend's body. So you would an exorcism, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um of which, her best friend. Of her best friend. What would you call yes. such a thing though? Uh ghost absorption of a friendly mate. <laughs> okay. I like it. You know, if they, if they made that in Britain, they'd remake it in America and probably give it a much snappier title, like My Best Friend's Exorcism or something. Like that. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll just go with that title then because that's. Okay. Okay. You know, because we're American, right? Fine. So, My Best Friend's Exorcism is a horror comedy. It's about two girls. It's really about a group of girls, but mainly just two that are the best friends Abby and Gretchen. Gretchen gets possessed by some demon and Abby is the only one that really knows. She doesn't know what's going on at first, but she figures out something's wrong with her BFF because, you know, you know your BFF more than you know yourself. Right. And Gretchen, you know, her possessed form is now creating mischief and trying to sow seeds of uh, distrust between the social hierarchy of their foursome group in high school. So it's, that's really it. <laughs> I, I don't have a, a, a much further explanation of what we just watched other than it felt like a fan film. I like the fact that it was with a mostly female cast and, you know, they, they alluded to some horror themes and genres, but on the whole, I was kind of disappointed about this. This movie's like, take the pastiche of Stranger Things, sprinkle in a little bit of Mean Girls and Saved with just a sprinkling, just a smidge of euphoria. Then you have sort of the idea of this movie. When you explain it that way, it sounds like way too many themes to borrow from. Really (laughs) interesting. I was going to say, this is based on a book that came out like in 2016, I think. And like I was reading like the description of the book and somebody was like, Yeah, you know, it's like if you took The Exorcist by way of Heathers and I'm like, okay, I can give you a little bit of that even in this movie. But this movie just it feels like it feels like it's trying too hard to be 80s. Like 
look, you don't even have to sell us that hard. It's the 80s. Like, you're just you're just basically like, you know, jerking off about the 80s at a point in this movie. And it's just like we don't it's not needed for moving the plot. Like, there's good moments. I think like this movie does its best when it's doing the actual possession stuff. Like there's the moments of like, you know, our, our main character, Abby is like struggling with, you know, giving up uh, Gretchen as a friend and Gretchen's in there, like basically like, you know, cutting and self hurting because of the demon and demon pushing people away. I'm like, that's great. Like that, those things are really good, but it doesn't focus on those. Those are not the point of this movie to its detriment because while the characters are good, you just, you're not getting the elements that make it an interesting movie. You're getting the elements that make it, hey, weren't the wasn't the 80s cool? Hey, remember the 80s? TC, you've talked about this a lot. I mean, we're we're definitely in our 80s moment. What is it? A 30-year gap in between? Yeah, there's a study on social psychology and pop culture, and there's usually a 30-year cycle. We're beyond the 80s now. We're if you look around with the remakes and what shows are getting rebooted what's coming back music and style wise, we're into nineties nostalgia at this point. So when things pop up that are still very much eighties nostalgic, we're kind of past the prime of that being fun unless it's done really well. Stranger things is still nailing it, but even stranger things has moved into the late eighties. So it feels like nineties. This movie feels like it missed the mark and is about 10 years too late for being interesting. Well, part of that may be an artifact of being based on a book that's already, you know, six or seven years old, too. So if they maintain that from the book, then, you know, it'd be in that that window of time where you still could have done the 80s stuff. I was actually going to say that they, they didn't beat the 80s to death quite as badly as a lot of stuff does. To me, there was both an authenticity to their 80s presentation and then the inevitable overdoing it. The, yeah, there's yeah, little I shit agree. like the Lilas thing that actually kind of caught me off guard because I remember girls saying shit like that when I was a kid in the 80s. And I'm like, that's not a thing that gets beaten to death like everything else, like the bracelets and the hair and the all the other decorations of it. Um, there were a couple other elements of it. The the one that kind of has like a crush on boy George. I'm like, boy, do I have a surprise for you, honey? <laughs> um, there was one thing that I did kind of appreciate, which is the relationship between the two lead girls. But there's a comment where one of them says, this is like the 12th time we rented whatever horror movie they're watching. And I'm like, one of you is wealthy. You can afford dubbing cables. Then you can just keep the movie yourself. But I mean, that, that, the wealthy one wasn't even the one with the car, which I was like, really? Yeah. Well, they. I think that was a side effect of trying to keep their daughter in line because the wealthy family was also the much more religious family. Like at a point when they sure. need to to go do a thing, they're like, yeah, your parents will be at Vespers. So who cares? Which is another element that we didn't bring up. They all go to this private Christian school. Uh, Catholic oh, it's school. Catholic. It's Catholic not Christian. School. It is Catholic. It's Catholic. TC yeah, and yeah. I can confirm. Yeah, because um, there's the, the running gag about the, the priest there and how one of them kind of has a crush on him. And, of course, mm -hmm. there's the inevitable pinch-toed nuns that are always on everybody's case. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a weird mix of stuff. And it also feels weird as four dudes talking about this because that's another element. True. This is very female-focused and not – Yes, yes. Not in the way – not in the way that a lot of stuff is where you try and sort of how do, how do we reconfigure this to be 
more representative. This is primarily about four girls in this school and the the sort of teenage bullshit they have to deal with. You had mentioned the mishmash of stuff here, Lewayne, and we've actually we've compared it to like 10, 15 different things right. at this point. And that's where this movie falls on its face is the tonal and stylistic inconsistency of this film. Because does it want to be a horror comedy? Because if it does, there's the elements there that would be great for horror comedy. The Heathers-isms or Mean Girls-isms, if you want to modernize it that much more. The bodybuilder characters that are in this movie, they are dialed up to near 11 and way over the top way silly i mean the guys they're making fun of with those bodybuilder guys are also such a weird over-the-top 80s thing as well so i can't say they did those guys wrong i've seen stuff like that in school (laughs) yeah they're like the yo-yo kings that come and like let's stay off drugs yo-yo right yeah that stuff (laughs) is very funny and has the potential to be insanely wacky and weird mixed in with the horror stuff that could work then all of this is being used as rape allegory, not even subtext, text that this text, movie yeah, yeah. is about yeah. rape and violation and assault and all these horrible, horrible things. And then trying to mash these two things together, they keep bumping up against one another. These Those two elements constantly, for me at least, bump up against each other to the point of like, I don't think everyone in this movie was on the same page. And and the thing is, both those two different elements both work in this movie. If you can separate those sections, like the funny parts are, you know, objectively funny and the serious parts, the not so sub subtext, like the, the point where she, uh, at one point, Abby, you know, she's worried about Gretchen. So she goes to her parents like, Hey, uh, something's wrong with Gretchen. You know, we were at this party and, you know, we 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 took some LSD and then we got lost and blah, blah, blah. And she tried to explain the whole thing. And the first thing the parents are like, well, like, well, you took drugs. You know, you gave my daughter drugs. And it's I just told you your daughter was raped. Yeah. So that and that's 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 actually a perfect example of the clash of what this movie is trying to be, Mm -hmm. because explaining the assault and then being told. I'm fixating on the drugs thing that could be handled in a humorous, dark, humorous way. And unfortunately, because uh, our main character who uh, I, she was in eighth grade. I can't remember the actress's name. Um, Elsie Fisher. Yes. She's, she's excellent, but she's playing in a drama. She's not here for the comedy. And that's where it's like, ah, I, this should be funny, but you're playing it so strongly dramatic that, I feel sad and scared for these girls. And this actually makes me wish we did have at least a girl on the show right now to reflect on probably the nature of the life of a girl, especially at that age, especially in that era to be like, no, that's our lives. Comedy and horror smashed together inconsistently. Biggest thing I'll say is like we said, it's about four girls. I feel like the other two are really just set dressing. Like, you know, they don't get to do much. They're mostly there for, you know, when things start going bad with the exorcism and they still don't get to add much to that. There's one or two good horror scenes there with that. The uh, the one with uh, uh, Margaret, what happens with her is actually pretty well done uh, for like the horror, a little bit comedy, but horror like darkness with that. But it's just like 
those characters almost don't matter, you know, except for to give more things for this demon to supposedly do, because, you know, you can only do so much to Abby when Abby is already, you know, quote unquote onto it or onto something. And it's too bad because it's like, I feel like that's something else this movie could have used is, as we said, you know, uh, Elsie Fisher is giving it her all, but she's not pulling up the humor elements like, but we don't get the other characters to be there as a big enough important thing to have them be like comic relief or anything either. Like the, the comedy just feels like it's almost being shoehorned in while the rest of the good horror and dramatic stuff is kind of going on there. Yeah, it, it, the middle of this movie drags for that reason, though there are two good scenes of horror can, with those two friends. We get the setup, and then, okay, well, we know the possession has happened now. And then we have this long sh- slog to get to the exorcism. And it's that middle section where it started losing me. Yeah, and I mean, that middle section is only really to set up the exorcism. Um, but because it's so ham-fisted and, I don't know, just kind of like thrown, not thrown like in there. We get it. She's evil now. Please get that yeah, demon just out get, of her. get to the thing. <laughs> Which and I, so the exorcism part I really enjoyed in general uh, for the the back and forth of like all right we're gonna try this thing mm-hmm. all right come back with me we gotta go talk over here I and, got a protein and, up yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the back and stuff forth is really fun here yeah um the the fact that he puts on a, a nut cup on yep before he even walks in there's like it's the first place they go to I'm like the exorcist yes like <laughs> like there are funny moments but then again and i don't know maybe the third act is probably the better part out of the three but what i keep hearing from all of us is there's like these sections of good but when they're all put together it's just almost like a hodgepodge kindergartner glued movie it's, linear timeline it's uneven yeah right the whole is not the sum of all the parts because not all the parts work and so the whole sort of suffers for it there are each of us has probably not literally favorite but scenes that stick out as oh i liked this part oh i liked this part and i can think of probably a couple people i might be like hey you might want to check this out it's probably sort of a good not intro horror movie but it's not it's not the exorcist right there's nothing overtly graphic for the most part there are a couple of scenes that might be you know shocking if a bit, I guess. But like, if you've ever seen a horror movie, most of the stuff in here is going to be, eh, it's fine. I think if there's anything that, that worked for me in this consistently, it was probably the two leads. Um, their relationship felt genuine to me because they talk, they have their own sort of little shorthand and they have familiar elements with each other that, that I believe them, even if I don't believe a lot of the other stuff that's going on. Um, they feel like real friends who have always been friends. And when they do the animal house ending so that you have the, what happens uh, to them? That was the dumbest thing. It's okay. Um, I, you know, they, they talk about them and I'm like, yeah, I believe that, but there's not much else. I mean, there's a lot that's good. There's a lot that doesn't work as well. I guess in the end, I'll give it three out of five things that compel you. Let's talk about that end. Another another point. It, why change the tone of the movie right at the end credits, like right before the credits drop? Like, I just I, I don't get because you don't have an ending. This is me audibly shrugging. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it, it, it is what it is. I felt like it could have been done in a different way. I think that the really 80s-ness of this movie that I hate is the soundtrack. I I hate very obvious songs from the decade or the the time period that they're supposed to be. Like we've we've all seen the movies, we've all heard those pop hits. Like give me some deep cuts. Yeah, you want I, I some felt like Kate the, Bush running up the hill. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like I will say though, the actual score I totally dug. Like it was a yeah. very uh B plus John Carpenter score that when they used it felt really good. And then they stick in a, a talking head song. I've heard 3 million times in my life. And it's just like, uh, overall it's, it's not as bad as I think we're giving it. Like it does have some strong, like all the good things we talk about are good in the moment, but then it's just like followed up by something that just totally doesn't make sense or just falls flat. Uh, I, I guess overall, I, I can't I can't go below a five out of ten because it's not that bad. I'm gonna go six out of ten reasons why you should never go into an abandoned cabin in the woods. Cause even you two who have seen horror movies should probably know that you don't go into an abandoned cabin in the woods. Just, just don't do Especially it. At night. Jesus. Yeah, like come on. Uh, I'm gonna echo a lot of what's being said here. There are a lot of really good things here. I think everybody in this movie is doing great. Every actor and actress in this, particularly the two leads, are doing excellent stuff here. What I find fascinating is that this is an Amazon film. They are pushing it big. It's got a big campaign. We're seeing bus shelters and billboards all around town promoting this movie that doesn't have anybody in it. And that's really exciting from an indie filmmaker perspective, from an indie film level from a horror level, some of the best horror are the no-namers, are the people you've never heard of before, because then you don't associate them with existing products. There's no baggage coming in. You're just watching it as is. And so I appreciate everybody in this and everybody giving it. But Loane said it great. This thing, some of its parts, even though everybody is working their ass off to make something wonderful and special here, it doesn't all mesh together well, which is strange because everybody's doing such a good job, but it just never comes together cohesively to become a movie that I would be happy to recommend or surprised of how much I enjoyed it. It just falls short here and there, which is a shame because as I'll say one last time, everybody's bringing it. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Uh, something like this is as good as everyone can try to make it. It just doesn't. It just doesn't get there for me. So, it ends well enough. It starts strong, drags in the middle. I'm gonna give this a five out of ten. Harvey Wallbangers. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. Uh, for me, it's it's a movie I think we've really hit on. It's like it's not offensive in any way. It's just middling at a lot. Um, we brought up that it's, you know, written by a woman who did the screenplay. And I got to say, it's looking at their histories. They don't have a lot of history in horror, actually any history in horror as far as the screenwriting. And I think that kind of shows here is that that's where I think the movie's done well, but they don't know how to even out that plot. Whereas our director, he's done mostly like TV stuff, but he's done like Killing Eve, one of the better episodes of that Dracula miniseries that came out uh, like three years ago. Penny Dreadful, like. 
this is a guy that does understand horror and those elements really are things that we think worked here very well for him. But maybe he doesn't understand the comedy that this writer is trying to put in. So it does seem like it's one of those like Amazon bought this and then said we have a director that we know to work with. We like this guy. We'll bring him in. And it's it's 60 40. It's you get some good. You get some bad. You get that Amazon where it's like, oh, you guys have all the money in the world. So you bought all the 80s songs you can fit in here, you know, and, you know, I think it's a, not its best choices, but it's not its worst. Again, it's just like if you balance that comedy, I could have forgiven all the same music choices we'd expect because, you know what? While you're getting a little deep on some 80s things, I think that's mostly in the writing. It's not in the creative choices of this film. One other thing I just want to say is, am I the only one who when I saw the guy, Christian Lemon, the the the, the exorcist guy, I thought in the trailer that was Taron Killam from SNL. <laughs> and honestly, he might have done it better. Yeah. He does have some <laughs> SNL quality to him as well. Honestly, I think that guy could have done better with it than this guy. Damon Thomas is fine, but his character, or not Damon Thomas, um, uh, the Christian Lemon played by Christopher Lowell. So Chris and Chris is not going to be troublesome for my brain at all. Uh, <laughs> he did fine with it, but it's just like his character comes in so late to be of value. You know, it's almost. And, and then he leaves. Like he's trying. Yeah. Yeah. But just leaves. He's trying so hard to be big. And. Also, I was then even more pissed off that he showed up in the Animal House ending. I'm like, I honestly don't care. I don't yeah. care about his character because everyone else actually had more value. Even her dad, weirdly named Pony. The horror is solid. The comedy is eh, but it's all right. It's one of those horror movies that is, when if you're one of those people who every Halloween goes, I want to watch a few new movies and things that nobody else is talking about, you can do so much worse than this. There is always so much worse than this that comes out this time of year. Especially in horror. Hopefully you choose this over some of those. Listen to our reviews, please, because we're sitting through these for you. Um, I am going to give this five and a half out of ten frozen yogurt punch cards. <laughs> if we were all to go back in time to the 80s, you know, how how would we handle an exorcism with our best friend? I'd go evil dead style and try to help you out there. <laughs> no, let's be honest. I'd be the one possessed and I'd be the one going, come on, Chad. It's great. It's great. Come on, buddy. 